the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat where, oh my gosh, the Cover 3 tailgate is jumping off. We are coming to you at 11.36 p.m. Eastern Time. We're a little bit late. Why? Because Georgia Tech has a 23-20 to lead against Miami as we speak right now. Two seconds left. Mario, what are you doing? <laughs> we'll get into that once they settle things right now. As I'm looking on my screen, it looks like there's a lot of, um, you know, we've got some illegal procedure. It's it's chaotic. Uh, USC dumbass procedure is what we got going yeah, on. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, And how many disconcerting signals did we have? I felt like I saw a lot of disconcerting signals penalties here. Um, but that none of that is as important as what I want to get to first, which is a resounding statement for Brent Venables and the Oklahoma Sooners to be able to impose your will early, take the punch back from Texas, and then be able to find a way to get a victory in an epic Red River win against the Longhorns. Obviously, you've got the revenge from the 49 to nothing uh, loss last year for Brent Venables, but also a little bit of validation. And that is the word that has really been, uh, I think, on my mind the most since this noon kickoff has ended is we doubted Oklahoma because of the fact that it had only beat up on bad teams and that when it faced any team of consequence, it didn't necessarily always have its highest gear. But I, I still think Texas is really, really good, and Oklahoma won that football game. I mean, Tom, we're, you live blog this for CBSSports.com. Yes. So how, how do you sit with this? Um, I, you know, we, we've made a lot of jokes all year about Dylan Gabriel and how Jackson Arnold was, you know, Oh, going to take his job? Going to take his job. And we even talked about how, you know, they they don't beat Texas without Jackson Arnold, probably. 
I don't think they beat Texas with Jackson Arnold today because I think part of what that was was, I mean, first of all, Gabriel had the fantastic game. He threw for 285 yards, had a career high 113. He's the first Oklahoma QB to throw for at least 200, rush for 100, and rush and throw for a touchdown in the same game since Jalen Hurts did it against Texas in 2019 in the Red River rivalry game. But I, I just think that in that situation late in the game, in a game that was as chaotic as this one, even if Jackson Arnold is the more talented of the two, having somebody with the kind of experience that Dylan Gabriel has to just kind of stay calm and mm. not panic amidst all that craziness, I think turned out to be the difference in this one. Like the fact that they, after, after they gave up the lead in the final, like with a minute 15 left or whatever it was, and then they just kind of march right back downfield and get the, you know, the, the touchdown to go ahead and win the game instead of just settling for the field goal. I thought was a huge moment. And I think that for Oklahoma, I mean, that's, I wrote in the, in the live blog afterwards. I said, I mean, it's not saying a whole ton because you live in their first season and a half, but it's like, that's Brent Venable's signature win so far. That is yeah. the biggest win yeah. Oklahoma has had in the Venables tenure. And it's kind of a statement win for the Sooners in that now you look like you look at the rest of their schedule. Who's beating them before they get to the Big 12 championship at this point? Like, we, obviously, we just saw Miami lose to Georgia Tech. We, we've seen a lot of crazy stuff today, so they can lose a game. It's just when you look at it, they're the clear-cut favorite to win that league or at least get to the title game, probably be undefeated. They're going to be in the playoff race. These are all things that were firmly established today with this win over Texas. And then on the other side, the thing I talked about on Wednesday when we did the big game breakdown was how Texas has struggled in the red zone all year. They were ranked 108th nationally coming into the game in red zone touchdown rate. Today, Texas had three red zone possessions. They got three points, including a goal line stand where they got stuffed because they brought in a bunch of 300-pound defensive linemen to use them as blockers, and they still couldn't get any blocks done, and dudes were still blowing up plays in the backfield. Oklahoma had six red zone possessions, scored on all six, got 34 points. Kind of a, you know, so they were outscored 31 points in the red zone in a four point game in which they also lost the turnover battle three to nothing. Oklahoma won the game and Texas lost it. So it's, I, I do think we're going to end up seeing these two playing again in the Big 12 title game. I think Tom nailed it about the red zone stuff, man. To, to me, that was the, the number one sort of deciding factor on the day. But I, I thought Gabriel's legs were another one. It, it looked like, Texas was really not expecting him to run or at least not run as effectively as he did. I, I mean, he had to be their leading rusher on the day, right? I, I would – hold on, I'll, I'll, I'll click over. I mean, a buck, 13, was, yeah. buck 13 mm -hmm. on the ground, yep. uh, which is you know, really, really impressive. I, I thought Oklahoma blocked Texas fairly well. Like, that's a good defensive front for Texas, you know, to only allow five tackles for loss and only one sack. You know, credit Gabriel for moving around really deftly in the pocket, I, I, I thought, to find the open guy. They – Neither team hit a whole lot of like huge explosives, you know, like you would kind of think with that kind of final score. But I thought Gabriel did a nice job of taking uh, what was available for him. It, it felt like almost less schemed up for Gabriel than it was for for Quinn Ewers. Um, you know, with, with obviously the first pick isn't on Ewers; the, the receiver needs to cross the DB's face. Uh, but <laughs> you know, I mean, it was. I'm having a hard time even seven hours later understanding what I just watched. I went Ooh. back and watched a little more and I was like, man, this is this is a really interesting result. And you had the 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 fake punt, the block punt, 
the crazy, crazy turnovers, the the, the red zone stops. I, I'd love to see him line it up and play again tomorrow. Like that was a great watch. I, I think Oklahoma showed that like they're not like they're not clearly inferior to Texas at all, right? Are they oh, clearly right. better in Texas? No, not really, but like they look pretty equal to me. And the game game came out of the final play. Like that's I'm excited to go watch the Big 12 title game. So can I can I just quickly throw this back? Isn't that what you should expect from this game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, yeah, oh, I, that was weird. That first quarter took an hour and 15 minutes. Right. You know, like I just and if we thought Texas would blow them out, like, we would have put them in lock. Turnovers, yeah, like, like I, I feel like the Red River rivalry history is filled with these games that my in-laws are talking about because <laughs> you know they watch seven full college football games a year, but it's always going to end up being one of them, and part of it is because of the way it plays out. Like, I, I don't want to discredit the Oklahoma win or like not take enough into the Texas loss, but I think that part of our preview that we did all throughout the week included this game is nuts, nuts. Yeah, every single and it week. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's deep fried. It's big techs. It is going to be one of those things that you cannot throw in the model. Like the model will not spit out the proper result for this game at any time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's I, I, kind of a test of both of these programs. Like that's what Oklahoma and Texas should build into the good seasons for Oklahoma, the good seasons for Texas. They include most of the time strong performances here. So it's a measuring stick. And in that sense, great for the Sooners and uh, an interesting note for the Longhorns to see how they respond to this. I, I thought Oklahoma's defense played with great confidence and speed, by the way. Like yeah. they, they weren't always effective. I mean, they gave up 540 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if they play that game tomorrow, am I picking Texas again? Yeah. Like I didn't have Texas covering, but like I, yes, I, I think I would. But still, I thought like, Oklahoma was really confident in their plan and they played hair on fire, which I think is all Brent Venables could really ask. And they created enough chaos. And on this Saturday, they got the turnovers that they needed to get to really swing that football game. Like that was, that was impressive to me. Like they have learned his system pretty damn well. And I, I I was impressed. Yeah. They were, they were much more disruptive defensively than Texas was. They had the five sacks, 10 tackles for loss. And that played a role in forcing those turnovers. And I mean, it's just, yeah, like, there's no takeaway from like there's been we'll get to it but there's a lot of teams who lost today that you're kind of just writing off because you're like okay mm. they were exposed i don't think anybody was exposed in this game i think that these are both the two best teams in the big 12 and i think that they both have a shot to win the league and they both have a shot still to get to the playoffs. so it was just a crazy very fun game and another takeaway for me that kind of different or at least not relevant to the future for the season but it is I fell in love with Jonathan Brooks today. There are a lot of good running backs in this country, and there are a lot of really good running backs in this sport who do a wonderful job running into giant holes when they open up. The difference between the really, really good ones and just the good ones are when there's not really a hole there and the guy can find a little crease and get through real quickly and get to the second level, Jonathan Brooks, if there's just even a little sliver of light between his guard and his tackle or his guard and his center, he gets through it really quick before the defense can react to it. And then the next thing you know, he's kind of one-on-one with a linebacker and he just makes one cut and he goes. It's like that is a very, very unique talent that just not a guy's, not a lot of guys have. It's a vision and a decisiveness that just bodes really well for him. I um, Can I tell um, 
a little bit of a hot mic moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Danny, who will join us obviously on Monday, it was mentioned. Did you mention it, Tom? The Jonathan Brooks for Heisman? No. It, so we were on for the 3 p.m. pregame show for uh, Alabama, Texas A&M, and everybody's sort of getting set. The uh, Red River game's going nuts. And somebody mentioned something like, oh, like Jonathan Brooks. And Danny says, Jonathan Brooks for Heisman if they win. Which, like, I loved as a way to reframe the way looking at Texas. Obviously, Texas lost the game. The Jonathan Brooks for Heisman is not, you know, the same sort of doesn't have the same engine behind it as it does if they had won. But Jonathan Brooks is probably the best and most important player on this Texas offense. And that is Mm -hmm. not at all what I expected coming into the season. And it's crazy because, I mean, he's not B. John Robinson. Let's, Let's get that clear right off the bat. But this is a Texas team that off of last year's team lost two running backs in Bijan and then Roshan Johnson, who was a fourth round pick to the NFL. And then they just roll out Jonathan Brooks and he's just as, you know, he's playing spectacularly too. And he's taken, you know, a load off of Quinn Ewers, making life a lot easier for them in every single facet because he is an excellent running back, but he's also useful as a weapon out of the backfield in the passing game. Anything else on uh, the game, Mr. Dow? I mean, we mentioned wanting to see round two. Uh, because Texas is the one that, which lost, I, I think we have a, a pretty good chance that we will get round two, right? If Oklahoma had lost, I it, it sort of depends. Uh, but in Texas has... sweating Provo mm-hmm. in November, like, oh, yeah, are they going right. to go and blow it? Which, I hey, sounds unlikely, but I mean, ask Fresno State about going to that mountain time zone and playing in the mountains. It, it, it is difficult at times. Texas goes at Houston, first of all, by week, at Houston, host BYU, host Kansas State, who they routed last year, at TCU, which appears to be broken uh, right now, at mm-hmm. Iowa State, and then host Texas Tech. I mean, they will be pretty substantially favored in, in all of those football games. Uh, so a, a, a rematch does seem pretty likely. Uh, now, will they be eleven and one versus twelve and zero rematch? I don't know. We'll have to see. But I, the Big Twelve is very likely to be a one bid league only because of some of the stuff going on in the league right now. It looks like with, with some of these losses. So that's going to be a really that like might be the most important conference championship game. Also, another thing to keep an eye on, too, Jake Majors, you know, Texas's starting center, got hurt early in this game, didn't come back. His status going forward will probably be pretty important because he's a big part of their line. Yeah. Oh, I do think that where Brent has that Oklahoma defensive line, it's probably one of the better defensive fronts in the conference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I... I, I but just, that's that's saying as much about the rest of the conference as it is Oklahoma, though. Sure, sure. I, I I was just trying to like give some Texas, like, okay, you lost maybe your second most important offensive lineman, if not maybe your first, and now, you know, what do you have moving forward? I just don't think you're going to face a group quite like what Oklahoma has. Here's. Here's a rhetorical question for you guys, based on what I'm staring at on my TV in front of me, where Arizona is currently up 17 to 7 on USC. Oh, hell yeah. We remember how Oklahoma fans were last year, correct? 
Tebow and all that. Yeah. What happens if Oklahoma gets to the playoff before Lincoln does with USC? Oh, Just what oh, is man. what is what is how is that fan base going to be? Do you think they'll like start celebrating their own team as opposed to just trying to dunk on USC? <laughs> I mean, I, I think they'll have all 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 the tweet you know, like the bandwidth to do both. The, Twitter blue is going to just go absolutely nuts because all Oklahoma fans are, are going to sign up. They want they're not going to be rate limited. They're like, no man, I got to get all these tweets off about my team and also about all the smack. I need to talk about Oklahoma or about USC. Let's go. <laughs> it's just it's a funny hypothetical to think about because. I mean, possible. considering how everything looked at this time last year with Sooners finishing six and seven and everybody, you know, Caleb Williams winning the Heisman. And now the way things are, I mean, obviously USC still has plenty of time to come back and win this game. It's just, it's, there's been a vibe shift in that rivalry. <laughs> the Oklahoma USC rivalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, the, the Oklahoma Lincoln Riley rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like TBD on what happens the rest of the night because we are still dealing with Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to count any of that out. You know what the chat wants? The chat wants Mario talk. Dude. I, it, dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Dum 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 dum. I mean, let's be first of all. Let's start by saying Miami should have never been in that position to begin with. The fact Correct. that they were playing down like that to Georgia Tech all night, where the game was Correct. nothing, Miami at halftime. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke throwing three interceptions. Ugh, like this is a game you should have blown away, but then you survive. Like that's the game. Like you play like crap. I don't even really play like crap. Like you outplayed Georgia Tech in most aspects, but you beat yourself a lot and you survive. You're at the end of the game. And I was talking to Jordan before the show. I said, you know what? Miami, this is going to look like a terrible win for Miami. But compared to what we've seen around the rest of the country tonight, just getting away and surviving is probably pretty good compared to what happened to other teams. And then they started handing off when all they had to do was kneel and they're in the shotgun doing like RPO. What the, I, just dumb, incredibly stupid, bad, terrible coaching. And you lost because of it. F around, find out. That's what happened. You hire Mario Cristobal to build up your roster. We said when you hired him, it was a good hire because you know what he's going to do. But on the flip side of this, and I'm the guy that rated them the highest out of all of our rankings for the, for the coach rankings. You do know that Mario Cristobal is a proven bad game manager. His teams will not play to their talent level. Like if you're making power ratings, you have to like boost them way up because of the talent he's going to recruit. And then you got to bring him down just a little bit because he has a proven track record of being a poor in-game coach. But I've never seen him do something like this. I mean, this is just absolute throwing up all over yourself on national television. Like what what are you doing? Just knee the ball. You have a 300-yard edge over Georgia Tech before that last insanity happened. Just take a knee. Yeah, like I, I maybe what are you trying to like pop an extra run to impress the – there were some big-time recruits there, right? Like, Yikes. Are you trying to like inflate the score? You're not going to get a cover anyway, but like maybe it just makes it look a little better. I 
I don't know, but um, the chat saying, didn't he do this uh, when he was at Oregon versus Stanford? I don't remember if it's the exact same situation, but yes, there was a lot of stupid clock yeah, management at the end of that game. Mario is a bad in-game coach and a really a pretty bad game manager. That is just what, like, you know what you sign up for if you're a Miami fan. He's awesome from January to August. And in come August, you better hope that the coordinators are good enough to see it through. Because in-game, Mario Cristobal is a bad coach. Period. I mean, that's just what, that is what it is. Did Lance Gidry do enough? That was nuts. Did the Miami defense do enough to get this win? Yes. That what, what did they allow before the the what you should have kneeled down? 180 yards? Yeah. I mean, my, Miami's defense didn't throw the interceptions. Miami's defense didn't instruct Tyler Van Dyke in the offense to run the football as opposed to just taking a knee. I, if you give up less than 200 yards, I, I have a hard time putting on the defense. Like, in, in defense of the members of the secondary on that Georgia Tech touchdown in the last minute there, they were probably busy asking themselves, what the F are we doing? Why didn't we just kneel the ball? And they, they were like, oh, crap, they have the ball and snapped it, and they just caught themselves off guard because they had no idea what happened. Just oh. the It's it's either extreme stupidity or extreme arrogance. Neither of them are good. So uh, uh, people in the chat are saying that Cristobal did this 2018 against Oregon. If he actually did this and lost Stanford. the game, it was the Oregon oh, Stanford right, 2018 game. Yeah. All right, we're we're not going to wait. He's done you. this before. <laughs> no, like right, that. This is the instant reaction show. If you're new to this, like this, this is instant, this is raw and uncut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, listen, uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech is good at math. Yes, he did, actually. So yeah. they already knew in terms of tendencies on the algorithm that, you know, Mario would do this. Good Georgia, for Georgia Tech offered Mario, but they couldn't get him past the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just, yeah. Just All right, so, okay. It's Oregon 31, Stanford 28. Three minutes, 10 seconds left. Stanford has two timeouts left. Oregon gets an unsportsmanlike penalty to get a first and 25. Justin Herbert uh, is able to uh, convert it uh, back to a first down. So then you got first and 10. Here, pass complete to Dylan Mitchell. Oregon or Stanford calls timeout. Cool. Second and seven at your own 39. CJ Verdell runs four yards to the 43. Timeout Stanford. Stanford's now out of timeouts. Now Justin Herbert bootleg for seven. First down at the 50. Stanford is out of timeouts. You have a minute and 35 left in the game. Verdell runs for seven. Verdell runs for three, which, by the way, is another first down. Verdell fumbles. Stanford nails a long field goal to send it to overtime. Stanford wins in Eugene. This is not the first time that Mario Cristobal has failed to kneel on the ball, and that is incredible. And, you know, they say past is prologue, which is why Chip Patterson knew to take Georgia Tech at 10 to 1 in the Money Line Sprinkles on Thursday. College this is not this is not like an outright fade as much as it would be acknowledging how hilarious college football can be. Because after you lose to Bowling Green, what would be funnier than to turn right around and go beat Miami in their house. Miami, which is coming off the off week, right? 
you've had all these days to think about how you're undefeated, how you're feeling good. I mean, I, I saw somebody try to share with me, like, if the BCS computers were here right now, Miami <laughs> would be like a top five team. Oh, man, if, if they're starting to get a little bit of that, now you're starting to think national championship. And I just think, especially off the Bowling Green loss, that this Georgia Tech team, which lost by one score to Louisville, was right there with Ole Miss. They've got mess around and find out capability, at least at plus 890 or plus 900 <laughs> or whatever ridiculous I can number. Get you, I can get you 10 to 1. I, I know what you're doing. I, I see your record in sprinkles this year. You're trying to earn it all back with one pick. They've got what energy chip? They've got mess around and find out energy. Go this way and this way. <laughs> if you mess around this much, you find out. Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. For uh, I, I didn't see in the chat we had that primed up. That's so good. Um, I mean, Jordan. Georgia Tech will not be in the top 25. No, but they should be, darn it. Will Miami? (sighs) Coming up on the other side, our projections for the new AP Top 25 rankings plus what Alabama showed in its win in College Station against Texas A&M, how we look at Notre Dame after its defeat against Louisville as well as How seriously do we take the cards? Plus, Ohio State, Maryland, LSU in a shootout against Missouri, UCLA gets it done against Washington State, and more next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. And of course, tomorrow's top 25 today is going to be featured on cbssports.com here in the next little bit. Got to get it done at the next ad break. And I ask you something that I've already answered myself. Uh, I got to adjust for Miami, but where should Oklahoma land in the new AP top 25 poll? I think that is the most important question. I think that is uh, the one that has the most interesting conversations around it. So the Sooners are now six and oh, congratulations. You're bowl eligible. You know, that was a sweat last year, less of a sweat this year. You now have a win against a top five team. Texas was number three. And that Texas team has a win against Alabama, which just beat Texas A&M. Where are the Sooners? Top five minimum. Minimum. I agree. Minimum. You have to. Yeah, three, four, or five. I think that anything lower than five is... um, Disrespectful. Yes. (laughs) Disrespectful. Okay. What what are you going to... They... they they have a, a, a four point like crazy back and forth win. The rest of their schedule is still cr- total crap. Like that's I, I, a, that's a I hell can see of them at like six man. or seven. I, that's I, an I, identity I, win, man. Okay, but it's it's I a mean, combination now that they have a resume and they are beating the hell out of teams. I mean, it's it's there's not many teams that have that combination. There are a lot of teams who have you have them like over Penn teams. State, Florida State, Ohio State. 
No, over uh, Penn State, yes. Penn State, yeah. I, I think Ohio State and Florida State and Oklahoma, that's the debate. I think that AP voters will have resume. Those, I don't think it's really close, but maybe it is. I think AP voters will have those three in different orders, and we'll see how it shakes out. I think the voting points will be close. Penn, Penn State has, and Penn State's good. So Penn State fans, don't take this as me saying you stink or anything. But like, let's look at Penn State's resume. They also, beat West Penn State Virginia. Is off. You get nothing. Yeah, but like so far, you can argue that West Virginia is Penn State's best win. I mean, they've played Delaware. Illinois, Iowa, and Northwestern. Yeah. I think Oklahoma's resume is better. I think that's fair. So where? I'd have them six. I'd have them five. I I think you leave Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State ahead of them, but I would have them leap Penn State, Washington, Oregon, and USC, especially considering how things are going. But, hey, USC did just score to cut it to three points. So I, I mean, so Penn State was off, Washington was off, Oregon was off, USC obviously in in action right now. Made it very easy to do the jump, but you know, Ohio State final score looked better than where it was early, right? Yeah, Ohio State is. I mean, this is the one thing that I, I kind of do. We want to talk about this game. I mean, now's a good spot to fit fit it in, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like what I have seen from Ohio State this year is that they are going to be undefeated or maybe have a loss come that Michigan game, and then Michigan is just going to beat the crap out of them. (laughs) I mean, that's they are they they come off too soft and slow in a lot of these games, and then. You know, you you just kind of start throwing the ball to Marvin Harrison 50 straight times and things start to work in your favor. But McCord, to me, is a little – he's a slow starter. He he doesn't come out playing very well from the start. They just haven't looked dominant in any one of their games, save for Western Kentucky. And no offense to Western Kentucky, but it's Western Kentucky. They barely beat Louisiana Tech the other night. Whereas Michigan comes out and just completely destroys everybody it plays right away. And if Ohio State doesn't come out with that same kind of energy that we saw play against Georgia last year in the semifinal, if that Ohio State shows up for the Michigan game, cool. If the Ohio State that I've seen multiple times already this year shows up for the Michigan game, they're losing by 20. Yeah, they're they're definitely not the Ohio State. Like They don't look like normal Ohio State in two ways. One, the operation of the offense. And now I think when we watch games on Sunday and we see how well Stroud is playing in the mm-hmm. NFL, yes. I, I think there is probably some signal to that as far as just how big of a drop-off they have at the quarterback spot. Uh, McCord like, largely took care of the football in 19 of 29, 322 tutties, no picks. But how smooth it is is not really reflected in that stat line. It seems like he's a little bit slow to find it, a little slow to trust it. I mean, there's nothing that says he can't get better throughout the season, but we're also like halfway halfway through the season now. So this may just be who he is for this year. Defensively, though, I mean, they held Talia and some pretty good receivers to, what was he, 21 of 41, 196, and two picks? Mm-hmm. That's like, I mean, shoot, adjusted net yards per attempt of like three? That that's That's making him look like trash. And I don't think Talia is, but like the stat line is, like what what he performed was. So I, th- I think Ohio State's defense is is pretty real, man. 
that's, like they, that's, they, that's pretty standard for Talia anytime they play a good team, though. That's fair. Yeah, like Maryland's kind of scammy, you know, just in terms of like, like there's just such a bifurcation. It's the top teams in the Big Ten, then them, then the teams they can really beat up on. No, but, Maryland's one of my favorite teams in college football because it is the measurement of college football. Yeah. Do you have enough defensive backs to guard for long? And do you have good enough pass rushers to apply pressure on the quarterback? Because most college football teams do not have both. Most college football teams do not have both cornerbacks and defensive backs in general who can stick with wide receivers for long enough while also having pass rushers who can apply pressure on the quarterback to force a throw that is going to be ahead of time. Ohio State has that. They especially have it right now at this point in sort of their defensive development. And so that's why he's going to end up getting exposed against worse teams who don't have pass rushers or defensive backs who are of that caliber. Guess what? He lights them up. I mean, I think, how about this? Like not to, not to rosy this up, but like if I'm a Maryland fan, I don't come out of this devastated. No. No, like you had a chance, so you're a little disappointed, but no. You're a little disappointed, but yeah, like and it was it was in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Maryland is college football level. If you are below the level, then they're gonna eat you up. And if you have the pass rushers and the defensive backs, it's probably not gonna go well. Like it's a it is almost the easiest kind of game to predict. Final score, obviously, along the spread, not always easy to predict. But the outcomes do seem pretty easy to predict. Maryland, even if they play with their food and fall in a 14-0 deficit to Virginia and Charlotte, they will end up over the course of four quarters winning those games. Even if they are tight with Ohio State, they're going to end up losing because of these you know, unique characteristics. Is that fair? Yeah, oh, I thought fair. Maryland was real feisty, actually, for like about 25 minutes. Yeah. Really were. And then they had a nice drive come out of half, too. Like they, If you're a Maryland fan, I think you should be pretty damn happy with this team. I mean, you, you've completely taken care of business for the teams that you can reasonably think you can beat, right? Now we'll see how they do down the stretch, but like you're on, you're on pace to easily make another bowl game, which in the Big Ten has not always been a guarantee, right? Like we say, take the check, take the losses. Maryland's one of the OG teams about that, but they're having a nice year, and like they they fight, they don't look poorly coached to me. I, I there's just sort of a a boiling point that you, Ohio State can get to, they can't. Would, would you rather have Talia or Kyle McCord? So I got McCord. a text. I'd rather bet on the upside. Like, I know Talia doesn't have that kind of upside. I got it, it, where I'm trying to go with Ohio State, like I have to, I have to hold out hope that he can unlock something. Talia don't have that. I yeah, but you're holding out hope for something that hasn't been shown. Yeah, but but I, I've seen 30 games of Talia, and I know he doesn't have that. All right. There's some oh. chance that McCord over the next five or six games finds it. Ah, I had somebody ask me today if Kyle McCord is just Craig Krenzel. Yeah. Joe Bowserman. What a title. <laughs> I think he's better than Craig Krenzel, just to be clear. Can, can, can we apply some? Can we apply the heat lamp to Kyle McCord? I mean... So, so here's the deal. Offense in general, is being hampered by the fact they can't run the football. Trevion Henderson did not play against Maryland. The offense 
ran for what? I don't know. A yard and yards. Attempt? Yeah. You know, 33 it, carries. It wasn't a yard and an attempt, but what? 63 on 22? 1.9 overall, 2.8 sack adjusted. So they were just churning it. It wasn't working. Yeah. The run game, like Chip Trainum, shout out to all my chips. Um, <laughs> it was it, not an effective part of their offensive attack. Like it was. And then the pass rush was getting after uh, McCord. McCord is, you know, not exactly making a lot of awesome dynamic moves in the pocket and throws on the run. He'll, he'll come up with a highlight every now and then, but this is a flawed offense in my eyes. It's an elite defense. It's a flawed offense. Yeah, the offensive line is not very good. That was something Bud been on all offseason. Uh, Emeka Ibuka is not having the kind of season you'd expected from him. Like he's playing well, but he's just not dominating very often. And you're seeing like the offense is pretty much just becoming get send Marvin out there. You know, Marvin's down there somewhere. You know what I mean? Just like chuck it down there, let Marvin make the play. And that's like there was what that one play. Was it was it a fourth down or a third down in like twenty? One along the, like the shorter one along the sideline where, yeah, the th- yeah the third and twenty two where they just he chucks it down there and Marvin makes that crazy over the shoulder catch along the sideline while dragging his foot just doing like you know top five pick stuff. When you have that guy, take advantage of it. Kind of Randy ratio. You remember the are we, are we old enough to remember the Randy ratio? No, who's Randy? I'm young. All right, for the chat, because uh, and for Tom, because he's super young. When uh, when the Vikings had Randy Moss, pretty good receiver, um, they devised this really really dumb thing in the preseason where they they basically announced to the world that they're going to have a Randy ratio. They're going to send, I think it was like what twelve targets or something, like twelve or fifteen targets a game. Back when nobody got that amount of targets, uh, every single game for Randy Moss, which is like great, but it's also if you announce that then they're going to hold you to it every game that you don't do it so anyway but like they, they should just randy ratio uh harrison jr because he's yep. he's a freak he had what 15 targets today <laughs> sounds good to me <laughs> so over half of mccord's pass attempts were to harrison and frankly i think there needed to be more high school teammates did you guys know they were high school teammates we should uh do a ranking at some point of the most like annoying announcer trope pulls that they do. Like, did you know that Cooper and uh, Tebow were roommates? What? Did you know, um, Shipley and McCoy. Yeah, Shipley and McCoy were roommates. Did you know uh, the Pouncey brothers are twins? No, I had no idea. What happened? Well, one to one showed great patience because he didn't start right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you know Aaron Hernandez? Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> Dude, there was a great shot of uh, Urban uh, on the sideline. He was like, he had one finger in his ear and he was talking on the phone. Now, I really wanted to screenshot it and, and have a Michigan State comment just to, to feed to the masses out there. But I, I can't say it on the show, but there was one great tweet about that screenshot I saw today that made me laugh quite heartily. I mean, they're going to be at yeah. Urban's pint house. With an official, I mean, watch out. It's an official work event at Urban's Pint House coming up here in the next little bit. Jake from Little League World Series was another really good one. (laughs) Did you know Matt Stafford and Clayton Kershaw went to high school together? Did they? 
They did. Huh. I don't want to think about baseball for a little bit. <laughs> Not my razor. I haven't thought about baseball in four errors. months. No <laughs> All right. All right. We, we need to figure out the rest of this top 25, though. Oh, okay. Um, where does UCLA land? Back in. Yeah, obviously. Dude, that was like, I mean, what a cool game. Did you guys watch this? Mm-hmm. Yep. They ran 97 plays. Nobody does that like without like double overtime in, in this new era of the clock rule. They held Washington State to like 215 yards. Yeah, no, this game was about UCLA's defense because I still yeah. come away with it a little bit mad at the fact that I I don't think Dante Moore played well, which also backed up. Like, I was wrong about everything for my read on this game because yeah. Chip Kelly does not trust Dante Moore and Dante Moore did not play well. Like, also, that, that was the whole theory was we're coming out of the bye week. The offense is going to, like, hit all these, like, new levels, and that wasn't the case at all. And I'm not going to be bitter about being wrong I'm just going to say that clearly that's just not what UCLA is. Let's instead celebrate that UCLA's defense kept Cam Ward in check. I thought that was really impressive. UCLA has a dynamite front seven. And the back the back four was something we had a lot of questions about. They got a new DC, uh, DeAnton Lynn, who came from the Ravens. And obviously, like UCLA's D coordinator last year got sick in the middle of the season. So, you know, like they were already having issues last year, which is you know pretty tragic. Uh, but I do think like having a full year of a, a DC who's like apparently a pretty good DC really helps them. Like, I think Washington State's offense is kind of awesome, and they just shut them down like mm-hmm. totally. Uh, UCLA's offensive line still has problems. I had sort of circled them as like a team that if they stayed healthy on the O line, the starters would be fine. And I think I'm wrong about that. I'd like the the offensive line is still allowing a lot of. Uh, a lot of pressure, but we're going to do a lot of like dun, 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 day two, day three of the draft. And UCLA has another defensive lineman or guy from the front seven going and getting picked in this upcoming draft, right? It's like it, it's <laughs> they really, good. you what now? That was pretty good. Oh, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it was a bit we did on Nolcast because it was like um, back when FSU's offensive line really, really sucked. Uh, like they, they would always show the FSU game for whatever pass rusher it was. And so yes. uh, yeah. we, would, we would go over the sacks. DeAndre Francois killed. Yeah. As um, a fan of a school who has long been bad, I am very familiar with the, oh, look, there's three. my team during the draft getting dunked on. <laughs> Um, but I think you go back to week one. Remember like when Chip Kelly was giving the halftime interview and he was like all pissed off about how they barely had the ball and they barely had any times to run plays. And he's like, I hope you guys are getting a lot of commercials in. I think we should have known then that this game was going to come. <laughs> he immediately is like, all right, I'm going to go figure out a way to get a hundred plays off in a game. So Chip, they won, but he's probably pissed off. Like we didn't get enough plays off in this one. All right. So they're back in Clemson's back in. I assume. No. What? I don't know if that that kind of it's going to look too crappy to beat Wake that, that little. Plus, Wake almost won that game in the end. Um, yeah, we got a lot of teams dropping out, like Missouri, <laughs> Fresno, Kentucky. Missouri one loss and it coming to LSU in that manner. I don't know. Oh, Missouri's going to fall out. Missouri's going to drop out. Like their their best wins over over out. a Kansas State team just got blown out. Yeah, like Missouri does not get that same kind Kansas of Kansas State of the did not get blown out. Kansas State did not get blown out. No, they lost by nine. Or eight. Or seven. 
or six. Or no, it's twenty eight twenty, right? I guess that's fair. I, I, I've got Fresno State dropping off because they dropping out because they've lost to Wyoming. I've got Missouri on the very edge, right behind LSU. It's their first loss of the season. Okay, I think Wisconsin jumps in. Yeah, like Wisconsin should be over Missouri. Here's a question for you. We know they're going to jump back into the top 10, but how high in the top 10 is Alabama going to be after beating Texas A&M? Do we want to do that game now? I don't have them moving. You've got them staying at 12? If USC loses, they no, no, no. I've got 11. 11. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Notre Dame, yeah. And I've got I've got Texas down to ten. Oh, I see. I think Alabama's gonna. Oh, but yeah. Well, no. I'm I think telling that, you, the Penn State, Washington, Oregon log jam is like, oh, you got one loss, you're behind them. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if they climb up into the top eight. Man. Are, are you guys keep? You're not keeping Kentucky ranked, I assume. <laughs> no. Okay. No. I so, I would have never ranked. I mean, they were five and zero, yeah. but I would have never ranked Kentucky to begin with. Did Alabama impress you? No. Or did it win a football game? Won a football game. Jimbo Fisher lost the football game. Mm, let's go. All right. Let's let's get in on that. I mean, look, I, I've I've covered Jimbo for more than a decade i've seen him be really really bad i tweeted about this over the summer you guys can actually find it on my twitter at bud elliott three i was like look you can convince me that petrino will call this thing but i cannot wait to see the interaction between these two when it's fourth and one from the opposing 45 in a tight game and jimbo calls on the punt team and bobby petrino is sitting up there in a booth thinking he's got four downs to play with and he doesn't because jimbo pulls the rug out from under him today <clears throat> fourth and one Tie ball game. Ball on the opposing 44. Punt. This is like this is like like fa- failing to like not only failing to double down, it's like failing to hit on eleven against a dealer 10. That's not fair, but Jimbo said if it had been fourth and half, he already'd have gone. He also told Danny Dell at halftime, if you watched, that uh they didn't really need to, to use that that last drive in the first half. They were already up seven, playing well, didn't want to take any risks, right? Mm-hmm. He also like grossly mismanaged the end of game scenario. Like you cannot kick the field goal if you're using the timeout there. Like what what are you doing? And then the onside, I really don't get it. Jimbo Fisher is lucky as hell that Mario Cristobal botched this end of game because on a play-to-play drive-to-drive basis, Jimbo's game management today was way worse than Mario's. The result was just not quite as obvious. I will say though, I mean, that was funny. You mentioned the, the clock manager at the end. I mean, I did halftime with Danny on HQ, and Danny was very much hammering Jimbo for how he handled the end of that half, not using his timeouts to get the ball back for a chance to get more points on the board. But, like, I, first of all, I really enjoyed watching both these defensive lines play because they're both good and they were both playing dog duty offensive lines that they were just beating the crap out of all day. But to his credit, Jalen Milrow played really well in the second half, I thought. Like, he misses. He's Jalen Milrow, so there are some throws he's going to miss. And there's one time the he missed Burton where he was wide open. He had, like, 20 minutes 
and a wide open Burton, and he threw about five feet behind him. And then the very next play, a very difficult pass to make in the corner of the end zone, he drops an absolute diamond over the coverage over Burton's shoulder. And it's causing me to think that Jalen Milrow is somebody who, when he when he's got time and he sees the open guy, he puts so much pressure on himself that he screws up. I can, I can relate, like on a golf shot after I hit a perfect drive and I go up to hit my second shot and then I shank it for, you know, four, 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 40 feet off the fairway. Hey, listen, toughest shot in the world is 140 yards out middle of the fairway. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that being true. And I think Jalen Milrow has, like, he misses those throws. And then when he's not thinking it, it's just, okay, I got to get this ball there. He actually does a better job. But anyways, he overall, I mean, he finished with 321 yards, three touchdowns. Jermaine Burton had nine catches for 197 yards and two touchdowns. Like, Alabama made plays. I think Texas A&M definitely played a role in giving Alabama too many chances, or at least when they had a chance to step on Alabama's throat and end this game, Texas A&M did not take those chances. Alabama got the chances and they took advantage of them. And I think that they made a bunch of plays in the second half to win this game. So I think that it's kind of a halfway thing. I think Alabama did win the game and I think Texas A&M lost the game. Well, why does everybody who plays against Texas A&M have wide open guys in the secondary? Because their secondary is their weakness. Because their defensive yeah. line is tremendous, and that if you're going to do strengths and weaknesses, like, and DJ Durkin is is your your DC. I I thought Tommy Reese kicked his ass. Honestly, like I mean, you, you want to force Milrow to hold the ball to go through progressions. Texas did it some, didn't really do that a whole lot. Schemed up a lot of wide open deep shots that he hit to his credit. I mean, I. I would expect every scholarship quarterback on the roster to hit a couple of those. Now, he also made some really, really good plays. He didn't look like crazy twitchy to me. So maybe there was something to that hamstring thing this week, you know, but like, he he slid around in the pocket. Well, he thought he made a couple of really nice throws. And, you know, AM, um, they fought hard in spite of their coaching. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, Bama gets the dub. And uh, now they, I mean, They've got the important tiebreakers in the West. So it's probably going to be Kirby Saban again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, Alabama gets LSU and Tennessee in Tuscaloosa. It does not have any conference losses. Right. So beat LSU and see you in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. With a shot at the college football playoff. Mm. Yeah. 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 With the least impressive Alabama team that Nick Saban has trotted out since. Probably another team that reached the title game, honestly. Uh, (laughs) uh, No, the one. Who was the one that that lost Ohio State? No, no, no. But when you had. Uh, 2014. No, but when you had, like, that's the thing is they don't have the running backs. Like, they have the identity of a team that should have Derrick Henry, Trent Richardson, Mark Ingram. Like, when they had Eddie Lacy, like, when they had the full run of dogs at running back, the fact that you weren't overly impressive or consistent and only hitting deep balls through your passing game, that was okay. But Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams ain't getting it done the way that those other running back rooms did. Like it is, again, the identity 
of a team that our brains are like, oh, yeah, it's like Alabama. It's like, yeah, that's a team that can still find their way back here. But it's not the same. They could still, but. I mean, I, I've, I'm i on the record. I don't think either McClellan or Williams are difference makers at the position. I don't think there's anything, you know, incredible about either of them. But I don't know who would really have a lot of success running behind this offensive line. Oh, okay, fair. I like I'm I'm sitting here just singling out the running backs, and we could also go back and be like, where is uh, Barrett Jones? Like you know, like you go ahead and trot it out all the way across. It's every week. It's like I keep waiting for Alabama to start blocking people, and every week they just don't. So if eleven and one Alabama beats twelve and zero Georgia, do they both get in the playoff and leave very no. capable and more impressive teams out? No, Georgia would not have a single win over a ranked team. Twelve and zero Georgia with a lost Alabama. So well, come on, but Kentucky was ranked today. Twelve and 0. look, if Georgia loses to Alabama, they're not getting in. You're giving your opinion. I'm telling you what I think the College Football Playoff Selection Committee's opinion is. Okay, Georgia played nobody in the non-conference. They're going to have zero wins over ranked teams. But they'll just put Kentucky in the top 20. They'll put them at like 23. They'll be like 8 and 4 and at 23 that week. And then they'll say we got ranked wins. There is certainly a scenario in which they get a ranked win, by the way. Like if, if somebody will probably win, you know, 3 out of 3 coin flips to to end up 9 and 3. Georgia Tech just beat Miami. Hello. <laughs> Good old-fashioned hate. Coming through with that last ranked win that you need. Um, yeah, I, it's going to be very interesting because Nick Saban, back back to our like constant Nick Saban tracker, he's it's a good team, really happy to get a win here. You know, like, I think he's soaking it in, bud. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to leave Nick Saban out. This is last year. Hey, Come on. Selection yeah. committee. Boo Corrigan. <laughs> you probably don't live more than 15, 20 minutes from me. L- l- maybe si- maybe sign his name in the bathroom. I don't, I don't know. You know. Yeah, just... we'll see. Coming up um, on the other side. Oh, go- <laughs> yes. oh I, got, I got more ranking stuff. Like, okay. I think North Carolina needs to be a little higher. Of course they're going to move up a little bit. All right, let's see. Where, 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 where? where? How could you do I, that to Dino, Chip? I, 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 look, I, I would... I would jump USC, and I would jump Ooh. Washington. Well, no. Like, to me, North Carolina's had, had more impressive wins. I disagree. I I disagree in terms of the quality of wins, maybe, but definitely the nature of the wins because they could have lost to App State. That's fair. Um, things got a little dicey against Pitt early. Yeah, I... I I'm just happy Drake may finally had like a dude game. Yes. Like he had one against Pitt. It's yeah. yeah, yeah. Now Pitt had shut down the run yeah, game. Like, like he had, the he throws had he made against Pitt. But didn't he have a couple interceptions in that game too? He's, he's had some WTF throws. Yeah. Like he, Pitt, did? He, did? he didn't have that today. Like he just looked like the guy who everybody was talking about him and Caleb Williams being one, two before the season. Yeah. I, I think that he is uh, my my note on North Carolina is that he's hitting the, his stride at the perfect time. North Carolina is starting a three game homestand coming out of a week off 
uh, under Mac Brown, North Carolina has not been good out of the off week, especially when you've been playing well. And they were, they ran them. They ran them out of the building, like from start to finish. It was a, it was a strong showing from the Tar Heels. I, I, uh, I, if you want to jump them ahead of Washington on your own ballot, go for it. I don't think that game to game they have been as dominant as Washington or Oregon has been. Agreed. So is Ole Miss going to be in the top ten? No, they shouldn't be in the top fifteen. Like they were at sixteen before, they'll probably be about there. I think they're assigned to about thirteen. Yeah. Coming up on the other side, we haven't even gotten a chance to dig into how seriously we're taking Louisville, how concerned we should be about Notre Dame, who, by the way, is playing USC next week. All that and more next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, doing a nice little uh, little jazz number there. Well, jazz number there for the Frazier uh, promo. If you're watching us on youtube.com slash cover three live, we appreciate everybody who's hanging out here as it is 1232 AM Eastern time. And we're still rocking and rolling huge audience. Y'all been hanging out since the cover three tailgate before we got started. And we do appreciate you. So are you buying Bud? Are you buying Louisville? What's the price? Are you buying? <laughs> let's take them off their schedule and put them in a vacuum. Are you buying Louisville as a team that if you throw them on the field, most teams in the country should at least be wary of? Neutral sure. site. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like, so. What, 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 what are their strengths right now? Coaching. I, I really think they've been flying below the radar, undefeated, but not respected. They get the win against Notre Dame. Notre Dame has its own set of circumstances that probably played into this. And this is at home. And as we previewed a like well-prepared crowd that was going to give all like a hundred percent vibes play. Like this is going to be an incredible atmosphere that the Cardinals can take advantage of. If they get off to a strong start, they got off to a strong start and everything worked out in their favor. So I think, first of all, coaching, coaching, coaching. Louisville outcoached Notre Dame tonight. They have a better coaching staff than Notre Dame does. I think it's like by far. But I said that on the Wednesday show and the Thursday show, and we got ripped for it. So Who I mean, ripped maybe, you maybe, for uh, A lot of people on Twitter think that the Marcus Freeman staff is better than Jeff Fromm's staff. And, guys, it ain't close. I'm sorry. Uh, so coaching, they have a quarterback relationship with that coaching that generally – works together well. Uh, now, obviously, we saw what happened against NC State. You can have an off night. I think Thrash is a really good college number one receiver, and they are really good at scheming open other guys. The offensive line plays well within the scheme. Backs run pretty hard. I think the pass rush, actually, at times, can get home, and and, and like they, they play with a lot of fire. So you know, Louisville's a good football team. Are they like amazing? Do they got a lot of guys that will hear, you know, have their names called high in the draft? Probably not. But I mean, they are like a really good college team, you know? And I mean, 
they basically got Notre Dame to garbage time. I don't think a lot of us thought that was going to happen. I mean, they're up 20 with like three minutes left, right? So that was an impressive win, impressive win for Jeff Brom's cards. And I, I, I bet them to win the ACC because I thought the path was there. I really didn't think they were going to beat Notre Dame, but uh, that was damn impressive. Do you want to know if I'm buying Louisville? Yeah. Does Louisville want me to buy Louisville? Because I haven't bought Louisville to this point, and they keep winning anyway. So, um, I just, it's so hard for me with Jack Plummer 17 of 24 for 145 yards. And it's just, it's, but they also play a schedule where it's like, well, that, that could be plenty enough. And I do think, like, defensively, this team, the pass rush, like we we talked about this in the big game breakdown. They, I think they led the nation. They were at least top three in pressure rate going into the weekend, but they just didn't get sacks. Yeah. But you know, I guess eventually pressure bursts pipes because they got the pressure again tonight, and they actually got home. They got five sacks. They had the eight tackles for loss. Some guys are going to get their draft stock boosted because NFL teams will be watching Joe Alt tape, and they will be seeing Joe Alt get knocked on his ass by Louisville defenders, and they're going to be like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Who's this Mason Riger dude? I don't know. I got to start watching this guy. I thought defensively that was a tremendous performance by Louisville's front seven. I thought their secondary did a very good job as well. But I also think that kind of goes back to what Bud's been harping on with Notre Dame for a while now, where they just don't have the guys at the receiver position to really test teams. Because, like, the guy, um, who was it that caught the touchdown? Faison, lacrosse player. Notre Dame felt so good about the receiver position that they had to bring in a guy from the lacrosse team, and then they send him deep, throwing touchdowns to him. But they just – Notre Dame has so much difficulty getting guys open deep, and they're too reliant on their tight ends and short throws and big, burly men breaking tackles and running down the field. But at the same time, like, Notre Dame turned the ball over five times. And you, you're right. Like, there was the garbage time at the end, but this game was probably – Still too close. I think Louisville, if they had a better QB, probably blows the doors off of Notre Dame if everything else in this game is the exact same. So I am buying Louisville's defense. I am buying their play calling. I am buying Thrash. I am buying Jawar Jordan. I just worry that Louisville is going to lose a game it probably shouldn't. And if they do, it'll be because of the quarterback. They really only had one game where the defense looked poor. And it was that opener in the dome against Georgia Tech, and they had like back-to-back drives there in that second quarter where guys got ejected for targeting, mm-hmm. and it kept the drives oh, alive. Remember, yeah, like they totally yeah, lost their composure for like twenty yeah. minutes. Yeah. yeah, and then they kind of they kind of really got it back together. So I maybe there's like maybe Louisville's defense is even better than, than I realized. Uh, their schedule, guys, is at Pitt, by host Duke, host the Hokies, host Virginia. <laughs> At Miami. And then they finished with the Kentucky team that just got annihilated. Yeah, but like for the ACC. For the ACC. Yeah. But look, I mean, hey, guys. I mean, look, uh, if your non-con is Notre Dame, Kentucky, if you run that, you're going to be in the playoff. Like, and hell, I mean, think about it. With Notre Dame's winning streak against the ACC, should Louisville not get an automatic berth in the ACC championship just for beating Notre Dame at this point? That's what I was told. <laughs> uh, I mean, look. Come on, Duke. On, come on, on, Duke. Well, come on, Leonard. Get back. <laughs> get, get back from that from that high ankle. 
I'm not I a guess. Louisville hater. I'm just, I, I think that it would be more entertaining to see Florida State against North Carolina. Agreed. Uh, Brom knew it, though. We, we, we talked about this at our AC Media show. You can pull the tape. I asked him. I said, hey, like, not to disrespect the schedule, but how important is it you guys win your one? He goes, yeah, we don't want to disrespect the schedule. It's very important that we take advantage of the opportunity that's before us. And the opportunity is, in part, the schedule. We don't know what it'll be next year because they added Cal and SMU and Stanford, but uh, my I guess mean, is like, it's probably tougher than what they had this year. And that's, uh, you know, I, I don't try to be a cold shower, but anytime our friend, like, uh, in, in anytime Bob Valvano has me on or Mark Ennis has me on, like, I'm always like, yeah, get it in now. Because the like the other side in the three five five scheduling model in the ACC, you find yourself in one of those good years that the next year is going to be awful, right? I mean, uh, typically, yeah. I mean, you don't play Clemson, Florida State, or North Carolina. That means you're going to play Clemson, Florida State, and North Carolina next year. There's also a chance that like Louisville could have a berth in the ACC championship game locked before they go to Miami. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Like if Miami already has an ACC loss now, they still have to go Clemson and at North Carolina and to Tallahassee. I mean, that head-to-head might not mean anything. They're they're really they're sitting pretty now in in part because of that Miami loss. They got to take care of business. A lot of football to be played for Notre Dame. I mean, look. You're out of the playoff, like you know. I, I already thought you were out of the playoff with that offense, and I shot a, a TikTok about it, and everybody got mad at me. But like, that's okay. We, we, I, I was, you know, probably wasn't officially correct. Now, now I am. I, you're not going to win football games, it, not in college, maybe in the NFL once in a while. You, when you're scoring in the teens, like Jeff Brom schemed his way to two touchdowns tonight. How many did Parker scheme his way to? Probably zero. Right? They should have spent the money for Andy Ludwig. Okay. I know their receivers aren't great, but this offensive coaching for Notre Dame looks like crap to me. And I said it after Ohio State. They got bailed out against Duke. Tonight, it looked like crap again. I know they don't have their like their best receivers, but, I mean, come on. Got whipped in the trenches, man. That's what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, you also That's- couldn't – yeah, what what the backs go for? Like 60 yards, maybe? Mm-hmm. Didn't push anybody around. They got. They finished with 44 yards rushing on 28 carries. Audrick Estime, who'd been you know one of the nation's leading rushers, 20 yards on 10 carries, just they got their asses kicked. How uh, many? Wade, oh, wait, sorry. go ahead. Uh, remember Wade, who 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 did the uh, uh, the Big Ten uh, show? He's a big Louisville fan. He, he won our our St. Jude auction. Yeah. To, uh, he told Tommy he does not want you to buy in. Tom, I'm all in. I am the biggest Louisville fan. That has ever lived. I'm a bigger Louisville fan than Wade. I'm going to come. No, listen. Wade set the standard. He's also a Western Kentucky guy, right? right. He was dialed in on his toppers. <laughs> Love that Western Kentucky minus five and a half cashing. Um, well, Wade's so, just a Western Kentucky guy now because I'm the Louisville guy. <laughs> how? What is like the proper cocktail to fix for an LSU football game? Um, I think they're going to keep playing this game for the rest of the season. Right? 
I mean, they're going to look, they, they lost to Ole Miss, but then they played the same game, but one at Missouri. Has anything changed with LSU? No. What Isn't will it change? phenomenally entertaining? Yes. Yeah, but what, what will change is, is the rest of their schedule. Missouri and a healthy Ole Miss, which is what they got, because Ole Miss got Harris, Franklin, and Prescorn back. They're going to throw the ball a lot better than Auburn, Army, Alabama, Florida, or Georgia State. A&M, in theory, could throw it on them pretty good. But the rest of those teams do not throw the football effectively. But By everybody the way, throws the football effectively against LSU. Yeah, That's, that's fair. So uh, some comments from the massive audience that's watching us live. Uh, let's see. We've got Fireball, Long, Long Island Iced Tea, Straight Tequila, Gin and Tequila mixed together with a Red Bull, something with Fireball, uh, Louisville Eagle Salvia. That's a, off the wall. <laughs> Red Bull Vodka, half absinthe, half gumbo. I actually like that one. <laughs> that sounds uh, delicious. Sounds delicious. Yeah. LSU football is absinthe, bleach, crown apple sprite. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going for here. <laughs> yeah, my Jade Daniels, though. Can we talk about like just how he played today? 259 yards, three touchdowns. He rushed for 130 in the touchdown, had the one long touchdown run. Got knocked out t- of the game and came back. On a touchdown mm-hmm. that came back. Like, Jaden, please, for the love of God learn how to slide <laughs> nah man he's on that jake hayner he's putting his body on the line for college football we'll celebrate <laughs> we will we will celebrate the spirit of Jaden daniels already you know prayers up guys getting it done um i i respect lsu's offensive explosiveness i have no confidence in their ability to defend anyone and I mean, at one point, like I understand it's not just Luther Burden. We talked about it even on the preview shows, like Theo Weiss had a big game here, the Oklahoma transfer. But the completions, there'll be no one within five yards. <laughs> like they were they were running back. Like they had two like LSU's bracket the receiver game is send two defenders back 15 to 20 yards. <laughs> WTF. I think they deserve a lot of credit, though, because they did play much better defense in the second half. Defensive overall. line got after them. They got, yeah. Some, yeah, they got some pressure, for sure. That's what it's going to have to be. I'm pretty sure their coverage, like we all watched it, like their coverage is just not there right now. Like they, they really can't play any zone. Teams know you're going to get a lot of man. When they when they try to play some zone stuff, it's you know it 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 is it, wide open. When's their bye week? It's got to be sooner. Uh, you know, right, you know what they should do Alabama. during their bye week? Okay. Yeah, they're they're Alabama and LSU have their off week in the last week of October, right before they play in the first week, uh, first Saturday in November. What they so should they got do month. during their bye week is they should put Harold Perkins at safety. Maybe that'll fix the secondary because at least he could cover. They could still win the West, right? They've, yeah, yeah they, they only Alabama. have one conference loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I mean, they got to beat Bama. 
that a LSU game at the end of the year is just going to be like 50 to 50 with like 75 tackles for loss and like 75 yard touchdowns nonstop because n- nobody can cover and nobody can, nobody can really block. Can't wait to watch it. Yeah. That'll be amazing. Um, um we like this to- was, I think they deserve credits. Like this is, this was such Missouri's game in this kind of spot. Like you get all the top recruits there that they could possibly, you know, feasibly land. They come out firing, like they're feeding the ball to burden and LSU still gets them and covers, by the way. That was pretty impressive. Uh, so um, we got, we. I mean, there's a lot of meat left on this bone. Thank God we have the Monday show also to dig back in because we're 71 minutes into this. And I think we've talked about eight games. I say, we haven't talked about Georgia or Michigan yet. The number one and two teams in the country. Because they did what they damn well should have. All right. Yeah, but it's the first yeah. time Georgia's done what it damn well should have. 389 yards, four touchdown passes. This is a Carson Beck coming out party. Mm-hmm. Good Carson, for Carson. Carson Beck threw 35 passes, tying his season high, and he didn't play a snap in the fourth quarter. Georgia did what I wanted them to do. They came out, just let Carson just air it out, th- realize we can't run the ball for crap, so let's stop trying to run the ball. And then maybe, maybe if we push these defenses back with our passing attack, we might find some room to run. And my God, guess what? Georgia found room to run in the second half. It was incredible. Bad matchup for Kentucky. I mean, like, like almost everything that we said in the big game breakdown – was carbon copy. Like, if you really watched Auburn, you Beck played a lot better than the numbers showed, right? Check. Like, he kept playing tonight like a lot of the throws he made against Auburn. Auburn's defensive backs are better than Kentucky's. Kentucky's defensive backs, in hindsight, were really not tested. The only team they had played so far with any kind of pulse was Florida. And I'm really stretching the word pulse here to imply that Florida has a passing game that might expose something. Kentucky's DBs got exposed in this game. Like that was kind of a, a worry I know that they had on that coaching staff coming out of camp. So Georgia exposed him pretty bad, kept him off balance. And then conversely, the guys, Leary hasn't looked right the whole year. The offense has looked poor about four out of five games so far going into this one. And the bigger sample set kind of won out. Like they looked tonight on offense, how they looked against Akron and against Ball State. And against what the, the FCS team they played, and, and you know, kind of against Vandy, like sloppy, disjointed, Leary just missing guys. It, they had a couple guys open against George actually, and Leary just not non-competitive throws. Um, y'all, I'll see, it's hard out Georgia, Georgia, and that's basically what Kentucky tries to do. Shout out to JDJ, Javon Dumas Johnson played the best game he's had all year. First time he looked like he was an actual factor. Waiting for it. Happy to see it. They're getting healthier on defense. Mm-hmm. Did Van Pran come back in? I sw- I, I, I switched it off. I don't once, think so. Uh, they don't play anybody during a regular season where it should matter, but um, he does matter. I think if you have to go play, you know, really like. I hope he gets back. Obviously, I did not. Oh, get he, uh, he did come back in. Okay, cool. Okay, I did not get a chance to watch any of Michigan and Minnesota yet. He didn't need to. It was over 30 that was my seconds into the game. Yeah, like I had to write up Colorado. I was working on the top 25. You know, all the Miami, Georgia Tech stuff was going to haywire. So 
Um, I did. I didn't get a chance to go to Peacock, and I do want to hit on the previous Peacock game, the Deacon Hill show. So we'll do that. We can do that next. Um, I th- do you guys have a Peacock login? Yes. I yeah. Have Peacock. Yes. So my wife has one, but like she wasn't. She wasn't home today. She took took the kids this birthday party. So like I, I was like, no, I'm not gonna like bother her. She's got two young kids. They're at a birthday party. Like I, like, I don't really need to watch Purdue Iowa that bad. I hope one of you guys watched it. Oh, I watched it. Loved right. it. Just living the life. You had a live blogger, did you? No, no, no. But I, I mean, I got to watch Fat Joe Milton Deacon Hill just balling out six of twenty-one for one hundred and ten yards. Five of his. No, I don't Just pull up my pants and. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, hold on. Wait, did they? They didn't complete a pass to a receiver, dude. No, they did it. They had five of his six completions were to Eric All, and the other one was to Caleb Johnson. That was that was an Iowa master class. That was just hideous. Yo, dude, offense. Wait, wait, what, what did Army do? Did are, are hey, they? Shout out to Big Coop, Big Coop, bringing him the win, helping me secure that lock fight. Big Coop's putting everybody on his back right now. Army had how many passes to receivers today? Oh, like like five. Mm-hmm. Army, Army's got a nice lead over Iowa here, man. This is, I mean, oh, God, it was, it is just bad. Like, it's, it's their defense is still, I mean, they're Iowa, but it is just taking it to a different level. Like, I will give him credit. Like the one touchdown pass he threw to Eric all was a very nice pass. But again, the dude was six for 21. I don't think he threw like a spiral the entire game. They were all wobblers and he was missing some of these targets by 10 yards, man. And I was just like, Oh God. And, but I mean, you know, he'll, he'll get better. He's going to have more time practice, get more reps with the first team. They're going to figure it out and they're going to, Score 24 points one of these days. Do you think we can find the six completions? Because if so, I'm going to do one of, the, one of those TikToks where I rank my favorite completions. completions. <laughs> no, nah, man. Hey, listen. Shout out. Like, to like, remember we, we rank the SEC wins in the non-conference? Yeah. We, we, we all know Short Round's been with us like as ever since we started going live. He pointed out that um, Army threw more than Boston College, and Boston College won. Mm-hmm. I did watch the entirety of this game. Um, it was fun. Uh, did you see? So Army, uh, you guys ever played Madden when like you try to lateral or NCAA is a, a more apt thing because it's a college show and it, uh, this is I don't really know how much you lateral in Madden. Remember like when when you would go to lateral and or like throw a pass when you're kind of turned around and it goes like that, mm-hmm. like the, that kind of animation. That's basically what Army's quarterback did for what looked like the game ceiling 55-yard touchdown on an option play, except he did it more like that, and that is a forward pass, and they reviewed it, and it was like a yard and a half uh, forward. So came back, and then – Hey, Oklahoma overcame that. They they had the forward pass on the kickoff (laughs) return, and guess what? They still came back and beat Texas. Mm -hmm. Did did Iowa get to do any, like – Jalen Hurts style quarterback sneaks the the tush push, no. Because like if Deacon Hill does that, like they're already good at being under center. I mean, that's got to be unstoppable, right? Deacon Hill, he was uh, 
he was sacked once for a, a big yard. I think he got two rushes. I don't remember the second one, but he finished with two rushes for minus 25 yards. He's, as I said, when, when I picked <laughs> Purdue, Deacon Hill is not the most mobile human being. He is a large man with a big arm. So, But, Tom, it, it says that uh, Purdue only had one sack for 10. So he had a negative 15-yard non I'm not sure what happened. Run? Yeah, I don't know where that other one's from. I don't remember that. It might have just been... Maybe it was a bad snap that I missed. I don't know. Uh, who do they play left? I mean, is this going to come down to Wisconsin and uh, and Iowa again? Yeah, but Wisconsin's going to win this division. I that's. I mean, I said that last week. That Wisconsin doesn't have to be good. It's going to win this division pretty easily. Is Iowa going to go 10 and 2? They have left. <laughs> Dude, so all right. After they go play at Wisconsin, which I agree with you, I think Wisconsin will win, but I don't think it's like a 100% lock. Host Minnesota by week at Northwestern, host Rutgers, host Illinois at Nebraska. They're going to win every one of those games. That's what I'm saying. Like Illinois by 20. Come on now, guys. Illinois beat them six to three last year, whatever the hell the score was, nine to six. I can't remember. It was a brilliant game. Loved every second of it. I will a shout out to Tom Cornelli. You have so many fake accounts. Um, Iowa will go ten and two and beat Kentucky in the music <laughs> again. <laughs> All right, college ball playoff committee nightmare fuel. Eleven and one Iowa. Averaging like seven points a game, rolls in there somehow, like you know, Harbaugh no, bad milk. No, Michigan get won forty-two to three. Yeah, Michigan played like a better Iowa team than this one and won forty-two to three. Iowa, twenty twenty-three Iowa, is the greatest argument against the twelve-team college football playoff that there will ever exist because this Iowa team, if there was a twelve-teamer this year would have a legit chance to get in as an at-large. Over the other two non-champ teams in the East? If they finish 10-2, and two, yeah. <laughs> I This is where I, I think I'm really glad they have a committee. <laughs> yeah, because Alabama made the playoff without winning its division. It wasn't yeah. like they put Auburn, which beat Alabama but then lost to Georgia. They didn't put Auburn in the playoff. They put Alabama in the playoff. Iowa ain't Alabama on a lot of levels. <laughs> right? Oh, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Deacon Hill, I, I love him. I hope he is the starter for the rest of eternity. Especially against Illinois. Oh, no, he'll throw for 320 and four touchdowns against <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> but just, yeah. All right, uh, so what else from the notebook? What stands out? Laramie. I haven't gotten a chance to watch. I mean, I know I, what it wasn't windy, but, like, good for Wyoming. Dude, I mean, that was that was pretty cool. Like, that is a hard place to play. Agreed. Like, yeah. there are certain environments in college football it, it wouldn't be hard if you're like Georgia or Michigan. Like there's a certain talent level where it just doesn't matter. 
But if you're like anything below like a top 15, 20 level college ball team, go play in Laramie and let me know how it goes. Because for most teams, it goes pretty poorly. Like they, that's a frustratingly good football team. To Give play. me Air Force next week. Okay. I would say yes, but have you looked at how good Wyoming has played Air Force? Serious history, I'll take into consideration. Like but they, but like against this offense, Wyoming seems to know what to do against Air Force. Reload the musket principle. <laughs> That's fair. Takes a long time to. Um, Chip, that, that 10 to 1 call is amazing. My, the only thing I have left in my notebook that I haven't said on the show yet is Mississippi State, you are unserious, and I don't want to hear another word from you. Mm. How many jobs? To, struggling to take care of Western Michigan at home. Yeah. Um, boilerplate, understand why they made the move, obviously. Uh, but can't understand not making a move uh, at the end of the season. That they they look that yeah. If if the if the the word that he's still on an interim contract is correct, need to go ahead and make a move there because at Mississippi State you're like one really bad recruiting class away from you know having like, like a lost half decade. That's just that you live on the razor's edge. Oh, hey, you don't realize we haven't even mentioned Colorado yet. Big win for the bus tonight. Big win. They pulled it out. Okay, yep. cool. Nice. Shador played. Shador came up with some huge plays down the stretch. Nice. There you go. Dude, um, they're going to make a bowl then if they won that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're four and two. Paul, I'll give you my Venmo. <laughs> Yeah, they've got uh, Arizona and Stanford left on the schedule. I don't know if we can get to count. I mean, Arizona's uh, they play hard, Chip, and they've been playing hard against USC tonight. You know, Colorado finished with 295 yards of offense. Arizona State had 392. Arizona State, I can't remember the exact number, but one of their beat writers like tweeted out like the depth chart and the injuries that they had. I know they were down to their number nine and number 10 offensive linemen on this in the starting lineup tonight. And then one went out and then all of a sudden Colorado started getting a ton of defensive pressure. It was amazing. You know, you you would have never believed that a switch had been flipped when you drop from your number nine and number 10 to your number who? Yeah. Like didn't even know he was on the team. He just, you you thought he was like a guy helping out at practice. (laughs) And all of a sudden he's playing left guard. They were really, really banged up on defense coming coming into the game. And I, I, I saw that Woods, the safety, got ejected. Uh, and I was like, who are they playing at safety now? Like walk-ons? Um, that sucks. It's probably very good that they did the bowl ban. Like, they weren't going to make a bowl anyway, realistically. But very smart to have taken the bowl ban a- after having a look at the roster uh, for fall. Yeah, a, that's- a true year zero. That's five straight losses for Kenny Dillingham's crew. Tough scene, but uh, but you get it out of the way if you thought you were going to get it, and uh, and that's the case. All right, any? Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh God, Temple beat UTSA. Oh, no, UTSA. No, won. no, no oh. UTSA won. Um, 
Northwestern yeah. almost blew it against Howard. <laughs> Had to hang on for a 23 to 20 win. So did they say what it was with Ben Bryant? What the injury actually was? Like, did they list it on the uh, the medical report? I have no idea. All I know oh. is Brandon Sullivan had to replace him. I wasn't watching the game. I have, I don't know. Uh, my highlight from Clemson Wake Forest was making Dabo Sweeney talk to Stephen A. Smith with a one-on-one interview <laughs> after the win. What? Where Dabo's like, oh, thank God we won this game. And Stephen A.'s like, Oh, hell yeah. I get to talk to two-time champion Dabo Sweeney about all this. How do you judge yourself against your program? What What is Stephen A. Smith doing every day? Like, what 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 show was it? Like, Sports Center? No, he was there for the ACC Network. So, the ACC Network was in Miami for Miami-Georgia Miami, Tech. Georgia Tech. Right, okay. What a game to be at. And did a long run-up in Hard Rock that Stephen A was on set for with Kelsey and Eric and EJ and uh, uh, Coach Richt. So okay, it was, hey, Steve, it. do you want to come down to Miami for the weekend? Okay. That was the sense that I got. Yeah. <laughs> he looked exquisite. <laughs> he was he was dialed. Yeah. Uh, no. But uh, so- they, it was like he, he he got on the headset, you know, you, you sit there, you take a question from EJ, you sit there, you take a question, and then it's like, and then Stephen A. Smith comes in, you can tell Dabo Sweeney was like, damn. We're not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but we're coming for you. Hang with us. We're on the climb. <laughs> Did Virginia beat William & Mary? Yes. Okay. Would have beat him by a lot more if Calandria started. Shout out to Northern Illinois for putting up a 50-burger on Akron. I did not think Northern Illinois had that in them. Uh, I, I did not either. No, clearly. we both took the under in that yeah. game, and Northern Illinois cruised past it by two touchdowns on its own. That was amazing. Yeah, that was – sheesh. I mean, uh, the numbers heading into action are all wrong, right? Yeah, I have no idea who's good in that league. I mean, Toledo's good or good-ish. Ohio's good. I think Miami of Ohio is pretty good. Other than that, uh, everybody stinks as far as I know. Yeah, there's. I think it's three, then a drop-off, like a big drop-off. Like Mariana Trench drop-off. Yeah, and then there's <laughs> like another six or seven, and then there's like a little drop-off, and then something-something Kent State. Cooper Lega had four touchdowns. That was crazy. Like the Cooper Lagasse story goes on. Colorado State had like five sacks in the first quarter. They were up to seventeen to three at the end yeah. of fifteen minutes. I was like, All right, I'm cool. telling we're, you, we're... listen. The bet is Utah State second half every single week. Yeah, you wait until halftime and you hammer that second half line. Uh, also, TCU has dropped to three and three after losing at Iowa State. They look broken. Mm-hmm. Like. Guys yelling at each other, like you can see on the broadcast. It, it, yeah, they don't look good. Uh, uh, the, the vibes, Chip. We're gonna need the vibes. Uh, vibe check on TCU. Week. Yeah, vibe check TCU. <laughs> oh, that's a good um, one. I've had too many positive ones. Yeah, we need yeah, you to just crap on somebody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> last last bad vibe check I did, I think, was Alabama with the quarterback situation. You can you know. do a vibe check on Illinois, and it could just be Jordan putting over video of me crying in a fetal position on the floor. Just the group chat, the, the, the group chat, just scrolling in vertical video form. Uh, 
around the Sun Belt. Hold on, hold on. before we get to Sun Belt, Dave Aranda check because that game was at home. <laughs> Dave Aranda check. You mean the buyout? Really? <laughs> yeah, that will be a large check. Dave, yeah, Dave Aranda check, as in <laughs> who's signing it? Also, <laughs> uh, UCF. It was not great. No. Well, all right. Pretty so you bring Plumley back, then Plumley gets hurt. You put in McLean, but then you just get absolutely blasted. Mm-hmm. They B. were never getting stops on that no. side of the ball. Like, uh, there's something wrong with UCF's defense. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But, like the last three games are are pretty heinous. I mean, I, I think you're definitely allowing like more touchdowns than you are getting stops by multiples. Um. Yeah, the hell happened to Cal? They're not going to cover. No, do, I, I'm guessing a defensive score because it was 35, 32, and then it, it went to 49, 32 real quick. Did you get some of that ten? All right, so Jason oh. is saying Dave Aranda hot seat question mark. Yes, welcome to the show, Jason. Yes, yeah. <laughs> been the hot seat, buddy. Half the chat's already talking about putting him at USC. Like that's how next level this hot seat situation has gotten. We've already hired him as Lincoln Riley's new defensive coordinator. If Lincoln, if Lincoln wants a defensive coordinator, we're never really, we can't be guaranteed that he does. Hey, all gas, no brakes, literally. <laughs> Lincoln Riley, we want zero resistance. We just want to get the offense back out there as soon as possible. <laughs> um, yeah, lot, lot more to dig into, and we will, of course, do that um, as we continue to piece apart the weekend. It's the end of the third quarter for uh, for USC and Arizona. The Trojans leading by one, by eight uh, in the second. Eight. They just scored. Office TV stream is behind where Tom and Bud are. By the way, that's that's another under undersold story of the 2023 season. The stat broadcast box scores way ahead of every broadcast. It is driving me nuts. They're usually like two plays ahead every single game I've got. Disagree. Going. I like it. Tells me when to pay attention if I got a lot of screens. Yep. Yep. You know, you you find out because then you want to see it happen, right? Do you like read the last page of the book before you start it? No. If but I'm if reading I- the book for work, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, if, if I'm going to have to talk about it with other smart people in a very public setting with lots and lots of people listening, I will give myself as many advantages as possible. So if I know to get extra attention onto something that is an important play, I don't mind it. We, the same thing happened in uh, the workroom today when we had a friend, a oh, coworker, a friend. Shout out, Dean. Um, we Dean had, he's not a friend. He's not a friend. Let's make it clear. He's not my friend. I don't like the man at all. I just work with him. Dean, no, but like Dean was at uh, right, at right, the right. game in the Cotton Bowl, and he was like, oh, like he was giving us good teases that let you know when to get your eyes on it because he was a solid 90 seconds being in the building ahead of us. So I'll take it. Um, all right, quickly around the Sun Belt. Janet Rainer, welcome to facing Troy's defense. <laughs> I was like, mm. Troy's on pace for 27 tackles for loss. This could be a problem for, for, for young Jalen. Uh, 
Uh, Found myself in a lock fight with a team coached by Butch Jones. Sometimes you just <laughs> you just put yourself in bad spots. Sometimes that, that, that's what I want to go with. It is uh, <laughs> is true freshman quarterback Butch Jones, head coach on the road against the defending champs with like a legitimate P five level defense. Numbers ain't right. <laughs> I, look for a little while, like like I was like, okay, Troy, you got to stop screwing around here because the back door is still in play somehow. Um, South Alabama taking care of business was fairly impressive. That's one you got to get. Southern Miss uh, did not take care of business. Losing at home to Old Dominion's pretty damn bad. Mm-hmm. Mm, that one's and uh, shout out ULL G- getting a pretty big win over Texas State. That was I think that was pretty important for them to get. Stole it at the end. Did you guys watch UAB USF? Because it took like five hours. It took forever. I figured yeah. there had to be like some sort of weather delay or something. No, there was just like 800 yards of offense versus 500 yards offense and some returns too. It was great. I was, I'm, I'm out. I think who's it? Revan McNeil. <laughs> who did who did JMU play today? Um, they were off today, weren't they? They were off. Week. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, R. Wilmer. Oh, NC State. Oh, Marshall. Texas NC State stealing you know, the wins. I, didn't, I should have had that note in my notebook, too. NC State, you are unserious, and I'm done with you. I've been done with them, though. They covered? Yeah, I don't care. I still can't believe. Like, yeah, all right, so. I, I have AC Network on in the background, so like they keep replaying the, the touchdown. Wait, which everybody on stage is laughing. Oh, they got Brent Key here now. Is this new? Brent, tell me, what were you thinking when Mario started running plays when he just had to kneel? I thought that was dumb as hell, EJ. (laughs) Do not get me wrong. um, So I love Wolfpack Nation to death. Do not get me wrong. I love them to death. They are the best fans in the country. And I love MJ to death. And he played some of the best ball from a quarterback that I've seen at this school today. But we got to stop booing Brennan. He is a hard nose. He is a great person. Um, just imagine if that was your kid, you know, out there on that field in front of 70,000. You know, let's get behind him, Wolfpack Nation, when he's in there. He's a good-hearted kid. I mean, loves God. I mean, he does nothing but pat everybody on the back and play hard for us every single day. So continue to uplift him, Wolfpack Nation. I love y'all. That was uh, NC State linebacker Peyton Wilson circling back to the mic to defend Brennan Armstrong because – they decided to throw him in there for some short yardage situations. Yeah, and liquored up. Will Brinson started booing. Home crowd started booing. <laughs> well, all right. In all fairness to Peyton Wilson, was he one of the guys on the sideline that looked like they were really, really done with Brendan Armstrong against Louisville? Because there were some guys that were very clearly smack, like like talking shit about about Brendan Armstrong on the sideline when ESPN's cameras panned over there. Was he one of them? I would not expect Peyton Wilson to be one of those, but um, that was uh, it was the booing that was the moment because he came in and then he just handed, then he just handed it off and then took a sack. The first time Brendan Armstrong came into the game, both of his plays were negative, and just him stepping in there led to boos. Woo. How, well, good they got to win. 
how is Oregon State fifty-two to forty over over Cal? Like, what are what are we doing? I, I don't know what happened. I'm just yeah. We'll have to review that. And that's what Oh, USC committed another penalty. They still haven't scored. They they've had two touchdowns now called back by penalties. <laughs> All right. Um and still no. We still need to do a Nissan play of the game. Oh shoot. Yeah, let's end this show. Okay. <laughs> Can the play of the game please be Miami? Never mind. We'll talk after. Yes. The fumble <laughs> or the touchdown? The the fumble. The fumble. Yeah, we're gonna do it. Nissan, okay. we are authentic and nothing else. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>